Lord God, I just uh, I thank you for this time here this morning. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you for my family and friends here, God. And, uh, and Lord, we just, we just pray for your presence to be with us. God, we pray for your Holy Spirit to be among us. And God, as it's uh, Christmas time and, and we talk about things like uh, love and joy and peace and hope and grace, God, I just have to admit that I'm, I seem to be just so busy filling my life with, with busyness, with stuff, with chaotic schedules uh, that I often, uh, I often put up walls that block those kind of gifts that you bring to us here. So God, please forgive me. Please forgive us, Lord. Help us uh, to remember what this time is about. Help us to focus on you here this morning. Would you open our hearts and our minds to what you might have to say? And may it be your words that are spoken here and not mine. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, good morning, gang. My name's Doug. I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so excited to be here speaking with you here this morning because I'm the new guy. I'm the new guy in town, and I'm excited to be here uh, this morning. And I just wanted to challenge you guys because ready or not, the holidays have come. Have you noticed this? Have you been to Walmart and heard the Christmas carols and, and stuff and the chaos in the streets? The holidays are here. You know, for many people... The holidays, Christmas time, can transport us magically back to when we were kids, right? And we think of this magical time filled with love and joy and peace, and it's just wonderful. I think of going to my aunt's house, my Aunt Rini, who Christmas was just amazing. 20, 30 of us would go there at Christmas time, and there'd be all these different toys that that clinged and clanged and made noise, and you'd walk up and knock on the door, you'd step on the mat, and a Santa Claus would pop out of the wall and say, ho, 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 you know, and it was just an amazing experience as a little kid. I think of the Christmas that, uh, that we used to do grab bags with the family, and you pull a name out of the hat, and there's this one Christmas, you know, you're not supposed to tell anybody who you had, right? And there was this one Christmas that we all pulled a name out, and about five minutes later, we found out that my mom had written her name on all the pieces of paper. And, yeah, and I, I don't know if she was just trying to see how honest we would be or as if she was really trying to get all the gifts that year, right? And we had Christmas traditions, right? Uh, don't shoot your eye out on TBS all Christmas day long watching a Christmas story, right? Uh, some of my favorite movies, uh, Christmas Vacation, or one big tradition for us is The Grinch. You always watch The Grinch every single year. And Christmas time, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, was great, right? But more and more people I talk to each year, as we get older and as the years pass, there's more and more people that I, I talk to, and I find out that the holidays, they don't seem to be the way they used to be. In fact, I talk with people who find the holidays to sometimes bring more sadness than joy, more stress than relaxation, and more anger than peace. I don't know about you, maybe for me, it's the reminder of the five to ten pounds I'm going to gain because of all the food and turkey and shrimp cocktails and, and Lord willing, pumpkin pie. It's my favorite. I love pumpkin pie. But for others, maybe it's uh, having all the holidays uh, times with the, the in-laws and the crazy cousins and the selfish siblings that tend to bring a lot of this stress. Maybe it's knowing that Christmas morning the kids are going to come down and maybe not see too many presents this year. 
because it's been a tough year. And all we want to do is really see that sparkle of a Christmas that we think that they deserve. Or maybe you're like some other people that I know that cry themselves to sleep because they've lost someone close to them. And they don't know how to spend the holidays without them. Each week we're reading uh, different parts of Scripture about that very first Christmas, that Christmas story. And we're experiencing these different words, these different attributes that we find that God brings to us at Christmas time. And I struggle with that as I read because I think, I'm not so sure what's going on in my life today is really lining up with what the Lord is talking about here in Scripture. Like this morning's verse from Luke 2, we'll put it up on the screen. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, I don't know about you, but I caught myself asking myself this question this week, saying, does God's favor really rest on me? Because I don't feel a whole lot of peace this Christmas. And as I think to Christmas past, I haven't felt peace for several Christmases, I don't think. I want to suggest to you that we have allowed, our culture has allowed certain areas of our lives to be vastly different than what we read about at Christmas time. And I also want to suggest to you that if we're not careful, we can allow these different areas of our lives to steal our peace at Christmas time. This past week, I was searching Amazon, it's my favorite website. And uh, I'm on Amazon.com, and I get on these weird kicks searching for things. And I started looking at survival guides on Amazon. And I found a few I want to share with you. The first one I found was the Survival Guide to Algebra. So if any of you are taking an algebra class out there, this book is for you, a survival guide for that. The next one I thought was funny was the Survival Guide to the Economic Collapse. There's a great read at Christmas time if you want to depress yourself this Christmas. Uh, the Survival Guide to the Economic Collapse. The next one for all you parents out there, the Survival Guide for Kids with ADD or ADHD. Uh, I thought that one was great. My mom needed that one when I was a kid. And then the, the best one, because I'm a big nerd, was the Survival Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, if you need to prepare for that one um, out there. But what I f- thought was funny, and I searched Amazon and other bookstores too, I could not find a Survival Guide to the Holidays. And don't we really need one? We need a survival guide to the holidays. And I couldn't find a survival guide uh, to help us protect our peace this holiday season. But it's a good thing that we have scripture because the Bible's really a survival guide to life, isn't it? Amen. And in scripture, um, as I studied this week, I identified these five different areas. I'm going to call them the five disturbers of the peace, okay? These five different areas that if we're not careful, we can allow to steal our peace this Christmas season. Now, I'm sure there's 20, 30, maybe even 40 areas that we could talk about, but I just chose five. And I'll be very honest with you, the reason why I chose these five is because these are the five areas that usually steal my peace at Christmas time. And so if you're a note taker like I am, I want to encourage you to to kind of uh, uh, write along with me as we go through these five different areas. The first one, the first disturber of the peace is this, fatigue, right? Can we just admit that we are a busy community? 
We are a community that is fueled by Red Bull and Starbucks, right? We like to get things done. We like to be productive. Pastor Robbie and I actually have a, a, a joke that we share with each other often. Who's going to be more productive today? Who's going to get more stuff done today, right? And does the thought of the holidays just kind of make you tired? Because it does me, right? The decorations need to go up. The tree needs to be found in the attic or buried in the garage, wherever it might be. The kids need to go see Santa Claus, and we need to get pictures of that event, and we need to multiply those pictures and send them to all the grandparents and aunts and uncles and everything else, right? We need to plan our holiday parties and find time that we're free to be able to go and see everybody that we ought to be seeing this year. We need to buy Christmas gifts for everyone. And we also need to buy a few extra gifts instead of some, in, in case somebody gets me a gift and I forgot to get them a gift, right? I got a few extra ones lying around. We need to bake like 10,000 Christmas cookies or go to Giant Eagle and pretend like we baked 10,000 Christmas cookies, right? And don't forget the house needs to be cleaned among all, all this other stuff. I'm having an anxiety attack just talking about it. Are you guys tired yet? You know, there's a story in the Bible. We actually read this a couple of months ago. There's a story in the Bible about two women who were going through this very same thing, right? There's a story in the Bible about two women, um, and I like to envision it as Christmas time, even though it wasn't. But there's these two women who are anticipating the arrival of Jesus. And isn't that what we're doing at Christmas time? And they were trying to get all the things ready for Jesus to come. You could follow along with me, it's in Luke 10. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what Jesus had taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that, uh, to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. I could just imagine Martha. She's, she's running around the house. She's trying to cook the Christmas turkey. She's trying to throw up the holly on the staircase, right? Put the Christmas lights outside because it's Christmas time and the Lord is coming, right? It wasn't really Christmas time. But at Christmas, I feel like it's the same thing for us. We're trying to really prepare for the Lord, yet we get ourselves so busy and wrapped up in all the details that we forget to spend time with the Lord, to really prepare our hearts In all the chaos of this story, Jesus gives us our first, what I'm going to call, survival tip. And that is to do less. Survival tip number one, if you want to protect your peace this Christmas season, do less. Are we allowed to say that at Christmas time? To do less? Are we allowed to do that? I think to myself, you know, is there something, is there just one, maybe two things that we are supposed to do at Christmas time that that we can actually maybe give up this year and not do. And maybe have a little bit more time for peace. Maybe have a, a little bit more time to spend with the Lord. Jesus says do less and concentrate on what is really important. Spending time with Him. I don't know about you guys, but gang, 
this is one of my biggest sins. I find myself uh, being a church worker, being so busy doing what I think is the work of God that I often neglect my relationship with God. If you could relate to being tired during the holidays this year, can you just kind of groan with me? Can you just kind of, uh, yeah. For those of you that didn't groan, I got four more to get you. Here's number two. Finances. Ooh, that's a big one, right? It's a tough year for our finances. And man, does it really affect the holidays. The cost of health care is going up. Uh, unless you have a huge grocery bill at Giant Eagle, you're paying four bucks a gallon, right? And you got to go visit all these family members and friends and everything. So you're in your car the whole Christmas season. Don't forget about the cost of food today. I really noticed this year. I don't know if you guys noticed. I really noticed that the cost of food is crazy. But you take all those things and then you add the expense of having to buy gifts for people. And I think of wanting my kids to have the best Christmas ever. That's, that's you know, something I think about. Uh, selfishly, I just want to show you a picture of my beautiful wife and two beautiful girls. I have twin girls. They're two and a half. Right? This is really their first Christmas that they're really getting it, you know? And it's crazy awesome and just watching them. And I just really want the best for them. But it was a tough year for us, too. And I think about that. You can take that picture down. <laughs> I'll just stare at it the whole time. But, gang, we feel other gift giving obligations during Christmas time, don't we? Now, I'm going to be honest with you. Those that know me best in my life, um, they're really not going to accuse me of being uh, an incredibly sensitive person. They're just not. Uh, Sensitivity is not one of my biggest gifts. Um, And and I'm telling you this because the two areas I want to talk about right now are very insensitive. But someone's got to say it, okay? Um, I don't know if you've ever felt this gift-giving obligation, but, but the person who gets you a gift and you forgot to get them one... And maybe you're like me and you tell a little white lie and say, oh, I forgot your gift at home. I got to go get it, you know. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I I feel that obligation sometimes. Or this one's really insensitive. The uh, Salvation Army ringers, you know them? Uh, I love their mission. I love what they stand for. I give to them every single year. But every day, multiple times a day, every store I go to, I see a Santa Claus standing outside ringing a bell. And I think to myself, if I were to give a dollar to every Salvation Army ringer I meet, it's going to be like $300 by the end of the Christmas season, you know? And, and, and the reason why I bring this up is just because I, I feel like a burden. I don't know if you feel like, like a burden to give at Christmas time. You know, it was just a few weeks ago that we shared this verse from Paul in 2 Corinthians. We'll put it up on the screen. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. My survival guide, my survival tip for you in this section is not to not give. It's to give cheerfully. Because if you don't feel like giving cheerfully, then don't do it. But if God has placed it on your heart to give, then do it. Because, gang, I'm going to tell you the truth. You're never more like God than when you give. For God so loved the world that he gave. And the reason why I bring some of these gift-giving obligations up 
is because there is a perfect excuse to give at Christmas time, and that's to those that really need it. There's going to be some people this year that aren't going to have a meal at Christmas, let alone a turkey, right? There's going to be some kids this year that aren't going to get a gift at Christmas, let alone a new Xbox or whatever the big thing is. There's going to be some people this year that are going to be spending Christmas Eve sleeping on the street. And at Christmas time, we have an opportunity to be able to give cheerfully. In Acts 20, it says this, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus. How he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Second survival tip, if you're going to give, give cheerfully. Now let me prepare you. Here's the third one. Are you ready? Family. Woo, that's a big one. Man, can we just admit, our families can drive us nuts, right? Our families can drive us nuts. And I don't know about you, I've talked to so many people. It seems like everybody in their family has that one person right? That one person that they're just kind of anticipating that coming this year, you know, that's going to drive them a little crazy, that crazy uncle or that crazy brother that drives them a little nuts. Now, if you're standing there or sitting there and you're looking at me saying, no, Doug, that's just not true. I love my family and I love spending every, I want to challenge, maybe that person is you, right? That everybody else talks about, right? We have an uncle in our family like this and uh, Christmas just wouldn't be the same without him. We love him. But I'll never forget, uh, just everybody's just anticipating in fear uh, seeing our uncle at Christmas time. And you'll see him walk into a room of this packed house, and suddenly people will start streaming out of that room. Two-year-old babies with pacifiers are coming out, and everybody seems to have somebody like that that they're anticipating this year. But gang, I want to challenge you that there are other families, I'm sure families sitting in this room, that have different kind of challenges with their family. More important ones, I would say. Maybe it's an argument in the past that has caused them to be estranged this Christmas. Or maybe there's people in your family, maybe even your parents, that, that really make you feel hurt or rejected when you see them and you're just not looking forward to seeing them this Christmas. Or maybe you are, or you're part of a family who's going through a divorce and you're afraid of what, what the holiday mess is going to be this year. Let me just challenge you with these words from Paul in Ephesians. He says, therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. My survival tip for you here this morning is this, to love. Just simple, just show love. Now, I don't know what that looks like for you and your family. Paul describes it as making allowances for each other's faults. Another translation says this, tolerate each other. You know, nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to like everyone, but it does say that you have to love them, right? That you have to treat others with love. I've learned something very important in life, and it's a, it's a phrase that I use as often as I can with the teenagers I work with. And that phrase is this, turn irritation into compassion. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a person who gets irritated easily. I, I just am. And so I go to God with that irritation, and I, and I just pray for whatever it is 
and try to turn that into compassion. Let me give you an example. Maybe you have a sibling, a selfish sibling that kind of makes everything into a hurtful joke or, or makes every situation about themselves. And that person just, whoever it is, whoever you're thinking about, just really kind of irritates you. And you're not looking forward to that time with them. I would challenge you to turn that into compassion. To think, what is it? What kind of pain? What kind of hurt? What kind of past does that person have inside of them that causes them to act that way? Have compassion over people. Treat them with love. The fourth area, and this one's a little scary, is this. Fears. Sometimes our fears steal our peace at Christmas time. Some people, they actually fear Christmas time. They fear being alone at Christmas. They fear the memories of a tragedy that happened to them one Christmas years ago. And there's some people who wish that they had a family to annoy them. There are some people who fear the holidays because they know it's just another year that they won't get to spend the holidays with that loved one, that special person they lost. I remember Christmas time, uh, my father-in-law, uh, he and I, really him, I just got to tag along, um, would always make some sort of special uh, uh, meat at Christmas time. He called it man meat. And one year we made a rabbit, one year we made a, a, a goose, and whatever kind of wild game we could find we would make. And we always had a dream of making boar, right? Like a pig, you know, this really wild boar, you know, kind of Christmas time. And I just, I just love spending the holidays with him. Well, he died this past June, uh, end of May. And, uh, and it's been, it's been a really tough year. It's been a tough year for my wife and her family, of course, but uh, my father-in-law, he was uh, the first pastor I ever worked for. He, he, he taught me all kinds of things. He was my best friend. And, uh, and i got to be honest with you, Thanksgiving was really different without him there. And we're all a little worried Christmas time. We all have a little bit of fear of the holidays without him there, right? I uh, was talking with my mom this past weekend, and yesterday actually was the 25th anniversary uh, of my biological father who, who died. He died 25 years ago yesterday. And, uh, and we were talking about this, and uh, my mom, she described um, a fog or a numbness that kind of comes over you when, you when you lose your spouse during the holidays. And after hearing the, this story, because I've heard this story before, I, I often think of, uh, of this verse in, in Psalm 34. It goes like this. I prayed to the Lord, and He answered me. He freed me from all of my fears. Those who look to Him for help with, uh, will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. In my desperation, I prayed and the Lord listened. He saved me from all of my troubles. The only survival tip I have for this one, gang, is simple. It's this. It's, it's to pray. Because my mom and other people I talk to who go through times like this at the holidays say this. They, they describe a situation that is uh, insurmountable by human terms. That no words or actions by us can really help someone else during this time. Only God can bring the kind of healing that we need during these times. And only God can bring the kind of comfort and peace we need during these times. I think about uh, our fears 
in the holidays. And I think it's very appropriate to talk about fears during Christmas time because I don't know if you know this, but in the Bible, over 70 times, God says to his people, Do not be afraid. But especially at Christmas time, he says that. He says that over and over again to Zechariah, to Mary, to Joseph, to the shepherds. He says, Do not be afraid. We all have fears. I'm not sure what yours are. And lots of times those come to life at Christmas time. But if we take the time to, to not be afraid, to talk to God, we can protect our peace. The last one I want to talk to you about is this, and it's very important. In fact, I think most preachers never talk about this at Christmas time. But it's something I've struggled with. I know it's something that other people struggle with, and that's uh, fractured faith. A fractured faith. I think this is a big one. Because there's many people who are struggling with their faith this time of year. Maybe there's a crisis in your life that's caused you maybe to doubt. Maybe it's a disappointment with someone else who's, who's a churchgoer. Maybe it's a conversation you had where you have some broken relationships. Or maybe people, maybe they feel like they've heard the same old story of Jesus who was born in a manger over and over again, and so it's become kind of mundane. I feel that way. I'm going to be honest with you. I was talking with Pastor Jamie uh, this past week, and I was saying, you know, Sometimes at Christmas time, I just, you know, I hear the same story. And, and I want, I want to feel that magical, life-changing feeling at Christmas time that we talk about. So what I did this past week, and uh, actually this past month, what I've been reading through and praying through, is I've been really looking behind the scenes of the nativity. Right? We put up these nativities in our house, and they're real nice, and they're painted, and they're they're clean and they're wonderful. And we put them outside in our front yard. We put lights in these plastic figures. And they're all nice and clean and sterilized and give you a feeling of joy when you see it. But gang, that's not the way it went down. When you read about these characters and you go behind the scenes, I could really relate to some of the feelings that I feel like they must have felt. I think about Mary, right? Mary, she must have felt very alone. I imagine her feeling very alone and rejected around Christmas time. Teenager, pregnant, the town pointing fingers at her and whispering. She's got to tell this man that she's betrothed to this whole story. I would think that she would just feel very alone, rejected. Not even any room for her in the end, right? And whether you're male or female, uh, I know a lot of people that can relate to Joseph at Christmas time. Especially moms. Moms will talk to me about this. They'll say that they feel like uh, Christmas is either going to happen or it's not going to happen based on them, right? That they're going to lead their family into Christmas time and they feel all this pressure. I feel like Joseph must have had a lot of pressure, right? To, to, to carry his, his, his uh, or to take his, his new wife, his pregnant wife, and find a place for her. And, and it's, you know, can you imagine I'm going to be the stepdad to the savior of the world? Is he going to even listen to me when I scold him? Is he going to be scolding me? You know what I mean? A lot of pressure. Or I think of the innkeeper, right? This is, this is the person I really identify with most. Sometimes we make the innkeeper into like this evil guy, but he wasn't. The innkeeper was just too occupied for Jesus. He was just too busy. He just had too much going on. So he kind of he squeezed Jesus into the into the back of his life, into the manger, into the barn, right? 
I feel like that at Christmas time. I got so much going on, you know. I'm too occupied for Jesus. But as I was praying about this week, gang, I want to challenge myself these next couple of weeks, and I want to challenge all of you to be like the wise men this Christmas, to be searching for Jesus, to be searching for him, to to go out of your way to find where Christ is going to make a difference in your life this Christmas season. I used to work at at a city church where you could walk right by the church on the sidewalks. Everybody, it was a walking town. And we had this nativity, this really amazing nativity that we put outside, and there's these big old figures, um, you know, of the nativity and the wise men and the shepherds and all that. And I didn't know this my first year, my first Christmas there at this church. But every year at this church, someone steals the baby Jesus. Every year. Now, the church always got it back because on the bottom was printed the church's name and and the phone number, and one year I was working there, we got a phone call, and some farmer like 20 minutes away had the baby Jesus in the middle of a field. I, I, don't, I don't know how he ended up there. But I remember my very first Christmas, the staff meeting right before Christmas time, someone spoke up, and I had never heard this story before. I didn't know anything going on, and someone said, I wonder where we're going to find Jesus this year. And, and that sounded very bizarre to me, right? But it made me think. Gang, I wonder where you're going to find Jesus this year. I wonder where I'm going to find Jesus this year. But my challenge to you, have you begun looking yet? Have you started? I think we should be like the wise men and search for Jesus. Because Christ promises this in Matthew 7. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. My survival tip in this area is to search for Jesus. Where are you going to find him this year? Gang, if you want to have peace this Christmas season, I think if, if maybe if we just do a little bit less, if we give cheerfully, if we love others, if we pray and if we search for Jesus above all else, God will grant us that peace that is beyond understanding that only His Holy Spirit can give. I want to read one last scripture for you. Paul writes in in Philippians 4. He says, Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Only because I was preparing this week was I thinking about this verse as I went to Costco last night. And in in the town of Cranberry, just north of here, Costco, I mean, it is crazy. (laughs) Christmas time and on Saturday night, and it was busy, and I only had two little things. My, My children were out of goldfish the goldfish crackers, and my wife sent me on a quest to go to Costco and get more goldfish because we needed to get through the night, right? And I'm at Costco, and I have have that, and I have a little snack for my wife and I after the kids go to bed, something not so healthy, And, uh, and I'm waiting in this huge line, and there's just all these people, and this woman turns around, and she sees me at the front of the line. She points at me, and she says, hey, come here, and she let me go first. 
And I remember stressing in that line, like, oh, I just want to go home. I just got, I got so much to do. And she let me go first, and, and, uh, and I went through, and I checked out, and I, I turned, and I just wanted to say, I said, hey, thanks, you know. And she said something to me that just, I thought about the whole drive home. Simple. She just said, Merry Christmas. And I thought, we, we live in this culture where we say, like, happy holidays. Or, you know, I expected her when I said thanks to say, oh, no problem, whatever, you know, it's all good. But she said, Merry Christmas. And it was so simple, it was, it was almost dumb. <laughs> but the drive home in my mind, I just thought, that's, that's what Christmas is. And that just gave me peace. Because I chose to focus on finding Christ. Rather than just going through life at Costco and anything else we have to do. Let's pray. Lord God, I just uh, I thank you so much for my friends here, and I thank you for this time, and I thank you for this wonderful church. I can't believe I get to be here, God. And Lord, I just pray during this Christmas season as we ought to be focusing on you, yet we often fill our lives with everything selfish we can, anything but you, God. I just pray that you would remind us not to do that. God, that you would quiet our hearts, during appropriate times, that you would lessen things on our schedules, that you would make the gift-giving madness go away. (laughs) God, I pray that you would just invade our spirits this year. Lord, I, I just ask boldly that you would provide times for every person in here this month that we might be able to search for you, to spend time with you, that we might be able to sense and feel your spirit upon us that you would just grant us peace. God, I talk to a lot of people in this church, and I, I hear about all different sorts of things going on. And whether it's something we talked about here this morning or not, there's just so many things that just really disturb our peace. And so, God, I just pray that you would uh, help us, that you would show up and show off in our lives, that you would just roll up your sleeves. Because that's what Christmas is all about. Lord, I think of that first song that we sang, my favorite Christmas song, O Come, Emmanuel, and Emmanuel means God with us. And it just knocks me to the floor to think that the God, the creator of the universe, the one who put the stars in the sky, came down to be with me. God, we screw up. We've fallen into a pit. But you came down into that pit. You picked us up over your shoulder and you carried us out. God, you came to be with us so that we can be with you. I thank you for that, Lord. Invade us with your Holy Spirit this Christmas. In your name we pray. Amen.